this week we light the pink candle of joy and the color pink traditionally represents celebration. We rejoice that Jesus has come and will soon return. Good afternoon, Cornerstone. My name is Matthew and I'll be reading the scripture reading for today, which comes from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 21. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went down to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. At the end of the eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. The word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Matt, for reading our scripture for today. And um, today, as we have uh, mentioned a few times already, we are continuing in our Advent series. Uh, we do this every year, where we go through um, the four weeks before Christmas, uh, a, a series through Advent. And usually, we go through different themes of, of hope, peace, love, and joy, which is our subject for today. So, um, joy is a, a beautiful thing. If you watched the video earlier, um, we can see the, the beauty of, joy, of the joy that we have in God. And that's basically what we're going to be doing here this morning. And actually, the passage that we read, um, we read it last year, actually, for the sermon I gave on peace. Um, but I thought it'd be great to see the the joy aspect of this passage for us to see how the coming of Christ has brought joy into our world. So to start, I wanted to make sure we're all on the same page regarding 
the word joy. Uh, in recent Christian understandings, a lot of Christians kind of talk this way, um, there have been different ways to describe joy. And it has been mostly contrasted with happiness. So some Christians like to say there's a difference between joy and happiness. So some pastors would, would say this when they preach about joy, that it's different from happiness. Happiness is something that's uh, temporary, but joy is, is lasting, something like that. So I wanted to kind of go into what, what joy is in the Bible. And, and joy is actually described as something that is lasting, something that is um, that gives us a contentment, an inner gladness. And that's what the word, the Greek word uh, kara means. Kara means joy. And it has this sense of being um, glad in your heart, this contentment in your life that you have. Um, and it's very closely linked to another biblical word that is really important as Christians, and that is the word uh, charis or charis which means grace. So grace and joy come from the same root of car, and it has this meaning of inner contentment and gladness because there is favor upon us. That's what grace means, right? We have favor upon us, undeserved favor. So that's what joy is. And on the other hand, uh, people like to say happiness is fleeting, temporary, and some would say that happiness is only worldly. Only worldly things make you happy. Um, and it comes and goes based on your feelings. Uh, but actually, historically speaking, joy and happiness have always been interchangeable. Uh, if we look back at to what the scriptures say, joy and happiness go hand in hand in, in many ways. Um, in the Bible, we see this. In English translations, we see it side by side. And in Webster's Dictionary, joy and happiness basically mean the same thing. So personally, I like to use them relatively interchangeably when we talk about joy. Um, this fleeting form of happiness that many people like to call just happiness, I think we could refer that more specifically to worldly happiness or temporary happiness. Because I believe as Christians, it's not just this inner gladness that we have, but we actually are happy when we believe in the gospel. We are happy. Our, our feelings of happiness come through when we truly believe in the gospel. Because I don't want it to be like, oh, we believe and it's hard and we're not happy all the time and we're sad all the time, but I have this inner gladness, so no matter what, it's okay. No, no, it's not just that. We have true happiness when we believe in Christ. There is that joy that we receive when we come to believe and know the gospel. That is a feeling that we should treasure as followers of Christ. It would be a disservice to say otherwise, that Christians are not happy, but they're joyful. No, we are happy, joyful, all of the above. All right? That's why I want to use them interchangeably and have them mean the same thing, essentially. And, yeah, the happiness that, happiness that we experience in fellowship, uh, in hearing the good news, in celebrating one another's accomplishments and success, when we enjoy uh, someone else's company, that type of happiness is even better for us as Christians because of what we believe, because of this inner gladness, this joy, this kara that we have. So um, let us dive into the text, and before that, let me just pray for us uh, and ask the Lord 
to bless us as we go into his word. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for giving us this joy in Christ as we see in this passage, O Lord. So as we go into Luke 2 and, and see this, O Lord, help us to see where we are, whether we have this joy that comes in Christ in our lives. Let us examine our hearts and lives, especially in this very difficult season that we've all been through, Lord. Lord, where are we? Where are we before you? Help us, O Lord, here today. And may we experience this joy through your word, through your spirit working in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So according to uh, a resource called New Leaf, it's a a resource for people who are in need of psychological help, so people who might need therapy or or counseling. Um, They write articles, and they wrote an article that discusses that because of because the holidays, uh, the holiday season, uh, there is very closely associated with family, right? especially here in America, um, holidays means family, right? Uh, in other countries, it might mean like couples or dating. Like in Korea, like Christmas is all about like romance for some reason. But in our culture here in America, most of us grew up here or have lived here for a very long time, it's about family. But because it's so closely linked with family, there's a lot of pros and cons to that. And, and the writer of this article says, if there is estrangement, unresolved conflict, or even a family that cannot gather because of distance, it can be a difficult time. It can be especially painful if it's the first holiday since the loss of a loved one or a divorce. It's difficult to feel joy because the loss is fresh and the person's absence becomes more real. So the the holidays and Christmas can be kind of depressing for a lot of people, especially if you're away from family, especially if you have broken family, especially if there's a conflict in your family, you can't get together with them. For a lot of people, it is a lonely, lonely season. And it can be really, really sad. And, And it's because what we're celebrating through Advent are the things that people want during the season. They want hope. They want peace. They want love. They want joy. And when people hear these things, it immediately puts them in despair because they feel like they don't have that. They feel like there is not much hope or joy. And they feel they do not have any love or peace in their hearts. Their relationships are not in a good place. Their work is stressful and tiring. And life is lonely Some of you listening may feel this way, and we at Cornerstone want to say that, of course, we are here for you. We are here to care and love you, and most most importantly, we want to point you to Christ, who can offer you everything that you need. And the reality is that we all need this joy. Even if we're not, like, depressed or sad during the holidays, we all need this joy joy, even if it seems like everything in our life is good, even if it seems like everything is all together, even if it seems our our marriages are in a healthy place and our relationships with our children or our parents are, are good and our work seems to be productive and not too stressful and it provides financial security for us, even when all of those things are working and, and working well or, or in a good place, I'm sure all of us have felt emptiness loneliness, 
where it just seems pointless or meaningless. And we have all the things that we may have desired in this world, in our lives, but all of us have come to a point where we have realized it is not enough. It is not enough. In the video, it, it talks about the, the satisfactions that we, we seek in the world, but we cannot find satisfaction in the world. It doesn't give us the happiness and joy that we truly desire. And the reason is because joy, true joy, only comes from God, only comes from the Lord. So that's our first point today, that our great joy comes from the Lord. And I use this word great joy, that's the, the word used in, in uh, verse 10 of our verse for today. And more specifically, Remember, this is the birth of Christ. So our joy comes from the coming of Christ. God sending Jesus, his son, who came down as a baby, so a man, and also as the son of God, the divine one who was sent by God. And it is only in him where we can experience true joy. So, like I said, verses 10 and 11, those will be the verses that we focus on the most today. And, and let me just read it for us again. It says this, And the angel said to, him, to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. The angel appears before a group of shepherds, and we have to remember that God is there in that midst. When an angel shows up, God himself is there. All right? It says in verse 9, the, the verse right before, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. The glory of the Lord was present when the angel appeared before the shepherds. God was present in that moment, and it caused this great trembling. And the angels tell them, no, you don't, you don't have to be afraid. Do not fear. The reason is a lot of times when angels show up or, or when God appears himself in a theophany or some type of way, when he shows up, um, a lot of times it is not for a good reason. <laughs> A lot of times it's for judgment, right? So when these supernatural natural things happen, a lot of times people are very afraid because they're like, oh, is this the end? Like, am I going to die here, right? But the angel quickly says, no, no, I'm not here for anything like that, but I am here to bring you good news of great joy. And that is that Christ, our Savior, has been born. Again, God has sent his Son to become flesh, to live and eventually die on the cross and be resurrected from the grave and, and to forgive us of our sins. Because, and because we have been forgiven, we can now live in this joy. And Paul says that we're not just forgiven of sins, but we are also free from our sins, free from the bondage of sins. When we were, once we were enslaved to sin, but now we no longer are when we believe in Christ and because we're no longer enslaved to sin, we can experience the joy of Christ and of God in us. The sin no longer uh, is in the way of that. Initially, sin did prevent us from experiencing this joy. 
And that's why for a lot of us, the holidays, this season is depressing. That's why even if we have all these worldly things that, have sat, that seems to be enough to satisfy us, it never is quite enough. We are still unhappy. We are joyless. We are longing, aching for something more in our lives. But now, because Christ has come, we get to experience this inner gladness in him. That no matter what happens in our lives, we are truly grateful. Joy and gratitude are very closely linked as well. And uh, I just wanted to look at a little bit more Greek. Hopefully it's not too much for us. So the next word I wanted to look at was uh, Eucharist. So Eucharist uh, actually is another word for uh, the Lord's Supper. So if you go to some churches, they may call it the Eucharist when you have the Lord's Supper or communion, as we call it in our church. And it comes from the Greek word Eucharistia, uh, which means thanksgiving or gratitude. And I, I broke down kind of the characteristics of that word. So you, which originally means well or being well or being good, and charizestai, which means to show favor or grace. So essentially it means to show grace of being well, to show favor of being well, basically to display grace for your well-being, right? which means to be thankful, to be grateful. So the Eucharist is the Thanksgiving meal we partake in at the Lord's Supper. So that, all that is to say is that when we have joy, we are grateful. We are filled with thanksgiving. So joy is always marked by this gratefulness in our hearts. And that's a huge part of what joy is, that we have this gladness, this thankfulness, this contentment with, with who we are in Christ Jesus, that we're forgiven of sins, now freed to live according to how we're supposed to live, according to the ways that he has set before us, because we have been freed from our sins and we believe that we have been forgiven of our sins, we now belong to him. And that is what God has done for us in Jesus. Now, it's, it's hard to see these things um, for us here who live in the U.S. because we are privileged to be able to practice our faith without um, any fear of death, really. Now, that doesn't mean we're not persecuted. We're persecuted all the time for what we believe. People mock us and they'll make fun of us or they'll think we're kind of dumb or foolish for believing what we believe. And the scriptures talk about that. It says that people are going to consider us foolish for believing what we believe. So we're, we're persecuted, but we're not in fear of death. We're not fe fearful that our lives will end because of what we believe. But in other parts of the world, that is the case. Even right now, where being a Christian is very dangerous. And we see that all over the news. Um, many of our families live in those countries, right? We really see that in those countries, when they come to know Jesus, you see how much joy they truly have in believing in him. There's one missionary who serves among unreached people in a very um, closed-off country where being a Christian is dangerous. And he shared how so many believer, believers there actually had to separate themselves from the rest of their family because you know, their, their family may not believe, but they do. But in order to keep his family safe, they had to literally leave and cut off any connection with them and just live with another group of believers among themselves. 
Because if authorities find out that you had this connection with your family, they may attack your family. And, and it may be unsafe for their family. So a lot of these people make the hard choice to no longer see their families for the sake of following Christ. But they don't do this begrudgingly. They don't do this like, oh my goodness, like being a Christian is so terrible. Like I have to like leave my family all the time and well, like, what am I doing? No, that's not, that's not why they do this. They do this because they're filled with the joy of Christ. And whenever um, and, and they have missionaries come or pastors come there and, and teach and give seminars and, and do classes with them. And whenever these trainings happen, they're, they're just so grateful, grateful for people to, to minister to them, to, to preach the gospel, to teach theology to these people because they're craving it. They, they long for it because they don't have any access anywhere else. So they're so grateful, filled with joy to be a follower of Christ. And that is an example that we can see of how joy works in us. This type of contentment, we can never muster this up on our own. We can never try to find joy like this on our own. That is impossible. Just objectively speaking, if we were in their situation and we didn't have the joy of Christ in us, we would all be miserable. We would be so miserable. So this cannot be done on our own. It only comes from God. That is why our great joy only comes from the Lord. It only comes from His Spirit working in us. And all of us try. We all try to find joy in, in the pleasures of the world, in entertainment, just trying to fill up our time with things that will give us a little bit of happiness. We try this, but nothing ever satisfies. Our great joy only comes from the Lord. Now, because our joy comes from the Lord, that also means that it is unbreakable. This joy is unbreakable. When it is given to us by the Holy Spirit, it is a joy that can never break. It can never be broken. It can never be separated from us. The Scriptures remind us repeatedly that when we receive salvation by faith in Christ, the good news of what He has done for us, then we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. We are sealed Ephesians 4.30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And this is how our joy lasts because, again, if it's up to us, if it's up to us, we, we would fall away so quickly. This would be like, you know what? It's not worth it. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to follow Jesus anymore. That's what all of us would do if it was up to us. But because the Spirit is in us, because we're sealed by it, we are, this, and this is unbreakable. We can continue on to have this joy no matter what happens in our lives. This is what is given to us by our Lord. We can have something that lasts, that doesn't just go away on, on a whim or on, based on our feelings. We are sealed by His Spirit. And this leads us to my next point, which is that our great joy is able to cast out fear. This lasting joy that we have, it lasts even in the midst of fear. We realize that this joy actually can cast this fear out. As we saw with the shepherds when God shows up, it brings 
awe and a sense of fear because God is viewed as the judge. But now because of Christ, that doesn't have to be the case. We don't have to be judged for our sins any longer. Now, God still judges. He still judges to this day. Don't get me wrong. He takes judgment. Uh, he takes, he, he, he uh, doles out judgment, but Christ, he takes that judgment upon himself. And he takes our place. And so the greatest fear that we could ever have is that we are separated from God. If we don't believe in Christ, then we are separated from him. And that judgment then falls upon us. But now when we believe in him, that is no longer there. We do not have to fear hell, fear separation from God. Because as long as we trust in him, we know that Christ has taken that upon himself. Now, if we don't trust in him, we do have something to be judged for, and we'll, we will have something to fear. John 3.18 says, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Remember, we have been condemned since we were, we were born. We were born sinners, so we have always been condemned, but now it is in Christ that we are no longer condemned. We are doomed for condemnation if we do not believe. But if we do believe, we have nothing to fear. We have been given this great news, this, the best news that we could ever have. Now, the reality is, though, we still have fears. Right? We have fears and we have anxieties. Right? We may not fear eternal condemnation and death any longer, but we still have everyday fears. And... Uh, for me personally, m my greatest fears and anxieties growing up were all surrounded with school. School was the main source of anxiety and fear, probably for most of us, right? Um, unless, you know, a lot of us may have had other brokenness in our, in our uh, families and things like that, so that might have caused a lot more anxiety and fear in your life. But for me, school always gave me the most anxiety. Um, and anxiety around... And it's just not like school work, uh, specifically. It's everything about school, like going to school, having to stay awake in school, uh, being around school mates and peers, right? Uh, homework and tests. Um, I just never was a fan of school. It's probably the thing I dreaded the most every day. Like every, every day I wake up, oh my gosh, I have to go to school. Um, and. And, and tests were the worst, like test days, the you know, midterm, final exams, the worst. Those were the most anxiety-filled days of my life. And I just, uh, I just took uh, ordination exams for my ordination, and, and it just reminded me of my anxiety-filled days of school. And I was like, oh my goodness, like, this is what it feels like to, to be in school again. Um, and I'm sure a lot of you feel this way about not just school. I'm sure work has those days, you know, those anxiety-filled days at work, uh, these big meetings, these big deadlines, whatever the case is, right? So, so how does the truth of Christ cast out these fears and anxieties that we have? Well, let me just share some words from Ed Welch. He's an author and a Christian counselor who has written many books regarding fear and anxiety. And he, shares, he basically says in this quote I'm about to read that it is about humbling ourselves before God. That is ultimately what can cast out fear and bring us to joy. So it's a little bit long, so just bear, bear with me as, as we read and follow along as well. 
All right, so he says this, I had an anxiety assault recently. I was facing perhaps the worst fear I could imagine, and there was nothing I could do about it. What a mercy that I was confronted with the call to be humbled before the Lord. It resulted in a simple prayer. Lord, you are God and King. I am your servant. I know you owe me nothing. For some reason, you have given me everything in Jesus. I trust you, and please give me grace to trust you. A few minutes later, my prayer moved even closer to Scripture. Father, forgive me for always wanting things my way. By your mighty hand, you have created all things, and by your mighty hand, you have rescued your people. I want to live under your mighty hand. Please have mercy sounds very simple, and it is, but it changes everything. This is the secret to dealing with fears and anxiety. The words of God and the comfort of the Spirit become much more obvious when we are repentant and humble before Him. No deals. If you spare me from this suffering, then I will. Just simply trust. We trust Him because He is God, not because He is going to immediately remove our anxieties. Um or our fear-provoking situation, this passage has been a secret because we have typically entered it at verse 7. He's referring to 1 Peter 5, 6 to 7. Cast all fears, of, of, uh, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. But to understand its meaning, you need to start with the preceding verse. Humble yourselves. We no longer, when we no longer trust in ourselves, uh, when we no longer try to seek to muster up our own strength to have joy, when we simply admit that we need Jesus and ask for his spirit to comfort us and help us to trust him and repent of our sins because we have been forgiven and, that, and renewed because of Jesus Christ, that is what casts out fear. That's what gives us joy. Are we lacking joy and filled with fear? We come before God in humility. We worship, we fast, we pray, we repent, and our great joy casts out fear. So, brothers and sisters, this is what happens when we come before the Lord. His great joy casts out fear. We are to humble ourselves before him. Right? We, we don't have to muster up the strength on our own. We can come before him because he has given us this joy in Christ. And when we truly humble ourselves, come before him and say, I need you, Jesus. I need you in my life, in my heart. That is enough. So lastly, my final point from our text is that our great joy declares the glory of God. When the shepherds received this message from the angel, the angels declared this. They said, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And this we see in verse 14 of our text for today. And our, our joy leads us to give God all the glory, to give God all the honor and praise. And you see here, when the angels declared the glory of God to the shepherds, they went and saw Jesus, and they began to glorify and praise God. Verse 20 says, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God 
for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. The angels declared the glory of God, which brought the shepherds to Jesus, who then declared the glory of God. And that has happened when we receive this joy. We declare it. We herald it. Um, herald might sound like a very old word, and it is, and, and we sing it in Christmas carols because heralding is about declaring good news, declaring joy. So when we are filled with this joy, then we have this genuine gladness in our hearts that is compelling us to share the good news, to share the light of Christ. And when we do this, especially in a world filled with turmoil and pain and suffering, that is a great way to disciple, to bring good news to those around us, to be a bright light of Christ. And to have this bright light in a very cynical and apathetic age that we live in, it can speak volumes. And C.S. Lewis, he uh, is a, a Christian author, and he wrote many novels as well, and he puts it well when he talks about this delight and joy that we have in God. So, so it's another quote. Let's uh, see from C.S. Lewis. He says this, I think we delight to praise that we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is, appointed, it, it, it is its appointed consummation. It is not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete till it is expressed. It is frustrating to have, a discover, to have discovered a new author and not be able to tell anyone how good he is. To come suddenly at the turn of the road upon some mountain valley of unexpected grandeur and then to have to keep silent because the people with you care for it no more than a tin can in a ditch. To hear a joke, good joke and find no one to share it with. The Scots Catechism says that man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. But we shall then know that these are the same thing. Fully to enjoy is to glorify. In commanding us to glorify him, God is inviting us to enjoy him. The, the delight and joy we have is incomplete unless we can express it, unless we can share it. The joy of Christ manifests itself in the worship of our God. So to give us a litmus test here of whether we experience this joy, I have a question for us. In, uh, in our longings of life, in our desire that we have in our life, are we coming to the Lord in worship? Or are we trying to numb ourselves with worldly pleasures, with entertainment, with food, with friends? Or are we genuinely coming to the Lord? Uh, friends, brothers and sisters, there is a life for you where you, where your longings and your anger and your frustrations are driven out and replaced by gladness. Let us humble ourselves and come to Jesus. And Jesus, he's not offered just to the elites, not to those who deserve it. No one deserves it. Remember, remember who God showed up to here in this passage. He showed up to shepherds. 
And in those times, shepherds were not the elite in any way. They were very average people. They were blue-collar workers who spent time with sheep all day. So you can imagine what kind of job that is. So they smelled, right? They had uh, calloused hands and feet. You can tell they're hard workers, right? This is a message for everybody, a message for all of us here. We're not trying to offer you, you know, some Hallmark movie happiness, some cheesy, you know, TV movie happiness type of deal. No, this is a deep-rooted joy in what Christ has done and in, in in that he has come and saved and forgiven us of our sins and also that he will return very soon and he will make the world right as it is supposed to be. So let us consider for ourselves, are we grateful for our lives or are we always complaining or are we always cynical? Um, if others were to be honest with you, how would they see you? Would they see you as a joyful person? Or would they see you as someone who is cynical or apathetic about life? Do we live in joyful thanksgiving? Or do we live in pessimistic despair? May all of you come to Jesus, for he is our great joy given to us by our Lord. And he casts out fear. And he leads us to declare the glory of God. The glory for all to hear. May the Lord fill our hearts with his joy today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we look to you now to fill us with your joy. Lord God, help us to deal with our fears and anxieties. And as uh, Ed Welch has told us, Lord, may we humble ourselves. Lord, we cannot muster this up on our own. We cannot generate this from our own uh, actions. But Lord, it only can come from you. So may we humble ourselves to you. May we pray and repent of the ways that we seek satisfaction in these worldly things. How we don't seek you in the difficult moments of our lives. Lord, Help us to continue to confess, repent, and turn to you, for you are the source of joy. For you give us this happiness, this contentment, this gratitude. Lord, fill us up with your spirit and remind us that when we are in you, we cannot be separated from you. You declare that truth over and over again in Scripture. So, Lord, may we be steadfast in our faith in you, Persevere through the difficult moments and remember that this joy can be forever because you have made it so. So God, help us, O Lord, to declare your glory, to fill our hearts with joy so that others can see the joy that we have. Lord, what a great way to declare the gospel by just living lives of joy. Help us, O Lord, here today. Remind us of what Jesus has done Remind us that he will come again. He will make all things new. He will make all things right. And we will declare you as our God and Christ as our Lord and Savior. So Lord, fill our hearts once again. Thank you, O Lord, for all that you have done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, let's